Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. So have you ever gotten stuck in the snow? You're driving along and you come to a hill, you go halfway up the hill and all of a sudden your wheels start spinning and you're not moving forward. You know what happened. You are stuck and you're going to stay stuck until you can get some traction. I don't know about you, but every now and then that's how I feel about my walk with God. Spinning doing all the Christian stuff, but not moving forward, feeling stuck, feeling stagnant. We're in the middle of a series of messages entitled Unbound, where we are looking at how to get free from the things that tend to cause us to our walk with God to grind to a halt. In John chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. When a person places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he sets them free from sin, where Scripture tells us from guilt, from judgment, from past failures and mistakes, essentially from anything that will keep us from moving forward in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. However, we know that living as followers of Jesus Christ in this world is not easy. There are many things that tend to get us stuck and prevent us from experiencing the fullness of life in Christ and the freedom that Jesus was talking about in John chapter 8. Pastor Joe has already reminded us that overthinking does that, and so do excuses. Today we're going to be looking at something else that tends to prevent us from living a life of freedom, and that is our doubts. Our doubts. Think about it. We all have doubts about something. Maybe you're here and or listening online, and you have doubts about your career. You started out your career a couple years ago, and you thought that you knew exactly the career path that you were to follow, and you did. Uh, fast forward a couple of years, you're looking back and you're saying to yourself, I'm not sure that I can do this for the rest of my life. You're having doubts. Maybe you have doubts about your health. You went to the doctors, and after he ran some tests, he came back to you and says, you have an illness or disease that could very well prove to be fatal. Maybe you have doubts about your marriage. You're going through counseling, and some days you come back home and you think, oh, we made some strides here. Other times you come home and you say, I don't think we can save our marriage. Maybe you're single and you doubt that you ever find that special someone to spend your life with. Maybe you have doubts about your finances. You got yourself into some debts and now you're living from paycheck to paycheck just to pay your debts. Maybe you have doubts about yourself. Your self-esteem is so low, you question everything that you do. You have no self-confidence. Maybe you doubt you make it through high school or college or graduate school. Maybe you're so stressed out that you doubt that you can handle any more problems and you're thinking to yourself, if one more thing goes wrong in my life, I think I'll be over the edge. 
Maybe you doubt that God can help you because you made such a big mess out of your life. Maybe you're here and you really didn't want to come or tune in online, <laughs> but you did it anyway. And I'm so glad that you did because today I believe that Jesus wants to show you how he can take your small steps of faith, faith and move you from your doubts to hope and trust in a God that can guide you through the impossible things of life, those things that flood our minds with doubts. So let's go to prayer and ask God to guide us in our study. Father, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. And Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will come right now to our aid and help us understand what this passage is saying. To be able to extract the principles from your word that will give us stronger faith. So that we will be moved from all of our doubts to hope and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're going to be reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. But before we do, let's briefly, you know, look at the context a little bit. A little bit. Verses 1 to 13 is often referred to as the Transfiguration Passage, where Jesus basically takes three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, takes them up this mountain. And um, while they are there, the Bible says that Jesus was transfigured right before their eyes. That is, he changed from his human form to his divine form, and thus revealing his divine nature as God the Son. Uh, parallel passages say that his face shone like the sun, and his garments were dazzling white. Now, while the, the disciples, the three disciples of Jesus, Peter, James, and John, are having this mountaintop experience down below, the other nine disciples are not. They're having some real difficult times. So let's read Mark chapter 9, verses 14. We pick up in verse 14. It says, when they came, they, meaning Jesus, uh, Peter, James, and John, came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. If he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. 
But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. <coughs> After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Now let's think through this passage because from the, this exchange between Jesus and this man, this father, we learn some incredible principles about what we are to do when we have doubts about God's ability or maybe God's desire to help us through the impossible things of life, the things that cause us a lot of doubts. Our passage tells us that when Jesus comes down the mountain, he observes that the teachers of the law are engaged in a heated argument with his disciples. Now, these teachers of the law were the sort of like the PhDs, the theologians of that day. They were, in other passages, they are called the scribes. They were the ones that were entrusted with copying the Old Testament scriptures, and actually they also would write commentaries about it, and then they would preach it to the people, teaching the rabbis uh, about uh, the Old Testament ways of living that God wanted them to know. Now, they are highly respected, but they enter into an argument with the disciples of Jesus, and we don't know what the argument is about. We have a pretty good clue as we keep on reading this the, uh, the, uh, the passage here. But when Jesus comes into the scene, the focus changes completely. Think of a, like a celebrity walking into a room full of people. Some years ago, my, my wife and I were at a, a Christmas uh, dinner at a restaurant uh, together with some other friends. And all of a sudden, like in the room walks the, these absolutely giant of, a guy, of guys, six guys, 300 pounds, six, five and up. And all of a sudden, they sat down at the table next to us. And all of a sudden, the focus all changed to them because we recognized who those guys were. They were the linemen for the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> and we are sitting there, and all of a sudden, people are going to them and asking for autographs and taking pictures with them and so on. But this is what's happening here. The people have seen Jesus. They came here for the celebrity. The celebrity is Jesus, the one who, uh, who the focus of attraction here. And the Bible says that they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. The first thing that Jesus does is directs a question to the teachers of the law. What are you arguing with my disciples about? And before they even have a chance to answer, a man from the crowd speaks, and that initiates a dialogue between Jesus and this man that will change this man's life and will leave us with some great principles in how to deal with our own doubts. As we think through this exchange, I want us to try to imagine what this father's life must have been like. He has a son whom he obviously loves deeply, who from childhood, that could be anywhere from infancy to six years of age, began to show signs of abnormal behavior. He probably took him to different doctors of the day. Uh, they looked at him and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. And all of a sudden, they, this father probably figured, okay, I'm going to take him to uh, the religious leaders, the rabbis. Uh, it was commonly believed in those days that the rab rabbis 
had these healing solutions that they had been handed down to them by God, and so they figured, uh, we'll take them to them. And, uh, but they couldn't do anything for the boy either. And at some point, it became obvious to this father that his son is a, has a demonic spirit that seizes control of him and is bent on causing him harm and even death. Now, years went by. This child is now a boy, probably in his early teens, and the, he, this father hears that this man named Jesus, who has been healing people and casting out demons, is going to be in town, and he's thinking to himself, well, maybe, just maybe, this Jesus can help my boy. He goes with the crowds to meet Jesus, but finds out that the only ones there are his disciples. Jesus still up the mountain with Peter, James, and John. And so the disciples try to cast out the demons, demon, but they couldn't. But now he's not so sure, this father's not so sure that Jesus can do anything for him either. His disciples couldn't, the doctors couldn't, the rabbis couldn't. Then Jesus comes into the scene, and this father tells Jesus all the things that his son had to endure. The demon won't let the boy speak. It throws him to the ground. The boy foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and his body becomes rigid, so like when a person has a seizure. Every now and then, the demon attempts to kill the boy and throw him into the fire or water. This father probably has to have someone watch his son 24-7. He can't do it all for himself. He probably, the rest of the family has to pitch in. It probably has taken a toll on the whole family. We can just imagine how helpless and desperate this father must have felt. His hope and trust that Jesus can do something is quickly fading. See, when doubts invade our minds, it eats away at our hope and trust in the power of God. And may I add this? It happens to all of us. I don't care how strong you think you are in your faith, it will happen to you as well. About 12 years ago, um, I discovered a little nodule on my neck, and I wanted to have it checked by the doctor, so I went to an ear, nose, and throat doctor, and he looked at it, and uh, he said, oh, it's nothing. It's probably just a salivary gland that is clogged, so we'll give you some antibiotics, and you'll be fine. I took the antibiotics, and... It didn't go away, so I went back, and he said, we're going to have to remove that tumor, but don't worry about it because it's never malignant in that, in, when it's in the neck. Don't worry about it. He removed it and did the, uh, the, the test, the, the pathology, and when the pathology report came back, he, uh, he, I was in the office, he came back and, to me, and he was visibly shaken, uh, and, uh, and nervous, and he said, I have bad news. It's actually melanoma. It's a malignant type of cancer. And so my first question to him was, what stage is it? And he said, it's probably late stage, and it's probably throughout your whole body. He probably shouldn't have said that, <laughs> because he was an ear, nose, and throat doctor and not a, an oncologist. But he did it anyway, and those words, he was the expert in the room, those words went into my mind. 
Uh, we obviously shifted to an oncologist, but I wanted to help the oncologist, so I went and started Googling, <laughs> which is dangerous. And, uh, you know, I read all kinds of articles and, and studies, 90% of them were negative. So my wife came to me, dear Rachel came to me and said, uh, listen, promise me one thing. You're not going to go online and do any more searches on melanoma. And I said, okay. And then she added this, we are just going to trust God to guide us through it. I had preached about the power of God. I was a pastor. And all of a sudden, I needed to be reminded of the power of God. See, when doubts invade our minds, it eats away at our hope and our trust in the power of God. So what can we do when, like this father, by the way, dear nose and throat doctor was wrong. I'm still standing here today, <laughs> obviously. But what can we do when, like this father, we begin to doubt God's ability or desire to help us through the impossible things of life? Now, verses 22 to 24 reveals three things that we can do. The first one is found in the second part of verse 22. If you can do anything, the father said to Jesus, take pity on us and help us. Take pity on us and help us. What can we do when your mind... Uh, our minds are full of doubts and our faith begins to fade. The first thing that you can do is this. Take the little faith that you have and ask God for help. Take the little faith that you have and ask God for help. Now, his statement here, if you can do anything, tells us that he's not quite sure that Jesus has the power to cast out the demon. Past experiences are telling him that might be another dead end. His Faith is barely alive. His disciples, Jesus' disciples couldn't do it. What makes him think that Jesus can? Have you ever felt like that? You want to believe, but there's all kinds of questions swirling around in your mind. You want to believe that God can save your marriage, that God can help you through, the, through your health problems, that God can guide you through your financial debts, that God can bring that special someone into your life. But like this man, your faith is small. But as small as his faith was, this father does something that always catches God's ears, and that is he cries out for mercy and help. Psalm 34 reminds us that God's ears are open to our cries and he's near to the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. Maybe that's how you feel right now. With a lot of doubts and with very little faith. Why not do what this father did? Cry out to God from your heart Lord, take pity on me and help me. The Heavenly Father's ears are open to the cries of your heart, always. So take the little faith that you have and ask God to help you. That's the first thing to do. The second thing you can do when your mind is full of doubts and your faith begins to fade is start believing that everything is possible with God. Start believing that everything is possible with God. Verse 23 says... 
If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. The Greek verb translated can in English is actually the word dunamai, which literally means to have power. This father obviously does not know who Jesus is. He hasn't been up the mountain with Peter, James, and John. He doesn't know that this is, he's talking to God the Son, the creator and sustainer of this vast universe whose power is way beyond our comprehension. He doesn't know that. The Apostle Paul also reminds us of something else about God's power. He says, God is able, in Ephesians 3.20, God is able, has the power to do exceedingly above and beyond all that we ask or think. There's no such a thing as impossibilities with God. The word impossible does not exist in God's dictionary. Jesus points out to this father that the problem is not whether he can, but whether this man believes that he has the power to do it. See, sometimes we take in all the information, all the words of the expert, the voices around us, and we begin to forget that we serve a God to whom everything is possible. Everything is possible. And if I would say nothing else about this, you probably could walk out of here saying to yourself, well, if I have enough, if my faith is strong enough, God will give me what I want. That would be true. If it weren't for one word in that sentence, and that is the word possible. The word possible means that there is another filter through which our prayers and our faith must go through, and that is the will of God for our lives. In Mark chapter 14, verse 36, we are told that Jesus retreated to a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, to pray because he knew the hour was coming when he was going to die on the cross for the sins of mankind. And here's what he prayed. He says, Father, everything is possible for you. And then the request, take this cup from me. In human form, he was thinking about being holy and and all of a sudden having to bear the sins of mankind upon himself. And he cries out to the Father, take this cup from me. But then he adds, yet not what I will, but what you will. In other words, let your will be done, not mine. So in the midst of all of our doubts, as you reach out to God in prayer, start believing that everything is possible with God and trust him. Trust his will for your life. God will always do what is best for you. God will never steer you in the wrong direction. He'll always do what is best for you, even even if in the moment it doesn't seem that way. He'll always do what is best for you, always. So first, take the little faith that you have and ask God for help. Secondly, start believing that everything is possible with God. And the third thing that you can do when your mind is full of doubts and your faith begins to fade, begin to ask God to grow your faith. That's what this man did. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. The Bible says immediately, without hesitation, he responded by saying, I do believe. The question is, 
What did he believe? I think that in his mind, he believed that everything was possible with God, but he also recognized that down deep in his heart, he had a lot of doubts about whether God would show up for his son, whether God would manifest this power on behalf of his son. Maybe that's where you are today. You believe with your mind that God is all-powerful. But as you think about the impossibilities of your circumstance, you find hope and trust in this all-powerful God fading. Now, we tend to think of faith as something that we either have it or we don't. But the Bible explains faith as a gradual process in a person's life, and God uses two primary sources to help grow our faith. What are they? Well, first of all, he uses his word to grow our faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hearing by the word of God. When my wife and I went, were going through the whole thing, after we were reminded, after she reminded me, uh, that uh, we needed to focus on God and not all the voices around us, we began to exchange verses from Scripture. Verses that talk about God's promise, about God's power, and we were trusting God to guide us through the whole process. And it was the best thing that we did because as our faith began to sort of, our focus changed from our circumstances to our God, our faith began to sustain us through that difficult time. Now, the Bible also talks about, the, 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 in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it talks about the, the, why God has given us his word. It says, all scripture is God-breathed, that is, it comes from the mouth of God and is useful for teaching, that is, it teaches us what to believe and what the truth is. It rebukes us, that is, it shows us where we are, when we are going in the wrong direction, it trains us, it corrects us, that is, it teaches us how to make a course correction. And it trains us in righteousness, that is, it teaches us how to live a life that pleases God. It says, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The bottom line is this, if you really want to grow your faith, you have to get into God's word. And I'm so glad that our church offers all kinds of ways by which you can grow uh, in your faith by, by, and in the knowledge of the Word of God. As is, was mentioned here, go to the gas service, find out, find out something that will get you into God's Word that will help you grow your faith. The Word of God will provide the foundation and the structure for your spiritual life, for your faith. But there's something else that God uses to test your faith. And that is the trials of life. And through the trials of life, he also can help your faith grow. In James chapter 1, verses 2 to 5, the Bible says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I don't know about you, but I don't like trials of any kind. And I don't know anybody that likes any trials or trials of any kind. But James says here, it gives us a good reason why we ought to have joy in our hearts when we encounter trials. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. When you encounter trials, 
You know what's going to happen to your faith? It's going to be tested. It's going to be tested. And as it's tested, it's going to prove to you whether you can persevere, that is, stand, or if you're going to crumble. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to have, for you to have a faith that is strong, that causes you to persevere under the trials of life. Now, if you want to find out how strong your faith is, how, you know, observe how you react uh, when life throws your curveball. It is, is it a faith that sustains us and helps us persevere under the pressures of life? Or is my faith a faith that crumbles at the mere sight of any kind of difficulty or suffering? Notice that this passage is not saying that God sends trials in your life. It's not saying that. But when those trials of various kinds come into your doorsteps, it puts your faith to the test. And that's when God goes to work to make your faith stronger. God wants you to be mature and complete in your faith. So start asking God to grow your faith in, in the reading and study of God's word. And as you face the trials of life with full confidence that God is at work to make your faith stronger. Now let's go back to the beginning. What doubts did you bring with you uh, this morning? Doubts about your career, about your marriage, about your health, whether you'll be able to find that someone special to share your life with, about your education, about your finances, whatever it is, maybe like this father, your faith is small and fading fast. Why not do what this father did? Take the little faith that you have and ask God for help. Start believing and never forget that everything is possible with God. And trust that you always do what is best for you. And ask God to grow your faith. As you grow in your faith, your doubts will fade. Shall we pray? Father, you know our hearts, and you know that we are prone to allow doubts to overwhelm us and weaken our faith. I pray, Father, that you would meet us right in the middle of our confusion and doubt this morning and lead us to greater faith, hope, and trust in you. We pray in the name of Jesus, your Son, Amen.